Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. In season one, I did a bunch of episodes on the sacred masculine. And I used archetypes to help orient the listener to a larger inner landscape, using myth when appropriate. And I promised I would return with some episodes about the divine feminine this season, as I think it warrants a deeper exploration. In my studies of myth, I have been particularly attracted to two myths. One, the Holy Grail, and two, the fallen goddess myth or the myth of Sophia, which is the central mythic motif in Gnosticism. Both are goddess myths. And India, being a repository of feminine divinity, has always carried this lineage forward in a powerful and enchanting way. The goddess traditions, and there are many from all times and places, come with a whole new set of insights, practices, and wisdom. For the open-minded seeker, this lineage has the potential to open up vast new vistas for the spirit. My guest today is Sally Kempton, and she's a teacher in the great feminine lineage, and I'm a huge fan of her work and her wisdom. Sally Kempton is a widely respected teacher of meditation and spiritual wisdom. A former journalist who wrote for Esquire, New York, and The Village Voice, she has spent over four decades practicing, teaching, and writing on meditation and spiritual philosophy. Sally is the author of two best-selling books, Awakening Shakti, The Transformative Power of the Goddesses of Yoga, and Meditation for the Love of It, which Spirituality and Health magazine called, quote, the meditation book your heart wants you to read, unquote. Sally teaches online courses and seminars on meditation and spiritual philosophy and leads retreats and workshops in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. Here is my interview with Sally Kempton. So I am here with Sally Kempton, author and teacher Sally Kempton. Sally, it is great to have you on Basecamp for Men. I've been looking forward to meeting you. I'm very delighted to be with you, Tony, and with everybody. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, before we get into the interview proper, I guess I just wanted to ask you about how you're, you're holding up with the coronavirus. We're kind of in the middle of it. I saw a really funny kind of poignant tweet that went out this morning from Gregory Lent. He said, uh, spiritual awakening and Armageddon in a in a foot race to the finish or something like that. And I thought, God, that really, that's hilarious. That, yeah, I was like, I chuckled, but I'm like, God, it kind of captures everything that's happening, how we're all feeling uh, torn in a bunch of different ways. How are you holding up and, and, you know, what are you doing to stay sane through all this? Well, I'm taking a lot of uh, immune system protection vitamins, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is my way of feeling like I'm doing physical self-care. Yeah. I, I have to say this situation is not radically different from the way I live, which is mm-hmm. Uh, which is to say I'm pretty, I have a very kind of retreat-based lifestyle. Mm. So I'm extending my retreat. And I I have a house guest here who happened to be here when the lockdown started. So I have company and, uh, you know, and we're both doing our own practices and also some practices ourselves. And I, I would say that one of the things that I've noticed in having someone here is that you know, part of the practice that we do when we're when we're isolated with our family and our kids is really, really practicing kindness. You know, like thinking twice before expressing your frustration with another person and 
turning the arrow of awareness back on yourself and really seeing this as an opportunity to practice a lot of the the things that we know are helpful, including meditation, but also including, you know, interpersonal practices. That's great. You know, that's funny. It's, I've never heard it framed that way because a lot of people I know in their busy lives, and if they have a spiritual practice, they complain that they don't get to do retreat enough. And this, exactly. is, an this is an opportunity to say, well, I'm in retreat every day until this stops, you know? And so it's a, it's a great way to look at it as an opportunity rather than, um, oh, I can't, you know, be in my busy life right now. So. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I find in times like this, I have to say, okay, one more thing about this. Mm-hmm. My first really powerful practice-induced awakening, which was, you know, quite a few years ago, I was, I was in uh, Big Sur, California, in a cabin with no electricity, and it was raining, and it rained for five days. I didn't have any books with me, which mm-hmm. is what I usually do to pass the time when I can't go outside. I had nothing to do except sit and watch the raindrops coming down the window and really get into the experience of being, uh, and that, which is the only way I can describe it. You know, just, okay, here I am, breathing one minute and another minute, and, and the experience was you know, after over a period of hours, as I got past the boredom, I started to feel so much ecstasy. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only word I can find for it. So, if you're willing to go into the bore, into the boring, mm-hmm. you know, and into the frustrating, and really find your breath in the midst of it, boy, there's a lot of opening that can happen. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thanks for telling us that. That's that's really great. Um, so. Your book, Awakening Shakti, what a book that is. You did such a good job writing that. And, and I picked it up. Uh, it's been a few years. What, what year did it come out? 2013. 2013, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I picked it up thinking that it would be really good for my wife, who's got a spiritual practice. And I thought, this looks really interesting. Uh, the, the subtitle of the book is The Transformative Power of the Goddesses of Yoga. But then I ended up getting my nose in it and I got so much out of it. And it, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a book for men, but there is a lot there for humans. Um, and I ended up recommending it to a bunch of my male friends. And my wife, of course, passed it to 20 of her friends. It got widely passed around and read. Um, and I, my, I guess my first question to you is, how did you get into the goddess stuff? Was it was it a gradual, you were doing yoga and doing the physical poses, and then it was like a layer that, you know, because that comes from India, you know, the next thing was into this kind of goddess uh, motif, or was that something that you got attracted to right away as a young person? How did you arrive at being so fascinated with specifically the, the divine feminine and the goddesses? Well, actually, it was, uh, it was a very gradual process. I was studying and living with and serving an Indian spiritual teacher for a number of years, mm. for you know more than 20 years. And he, we practiced kind of classic Vedanta and non-dual tantra in the Kashmir Shaiva tradition. Mm. So it's very much about the formless, you know, about, mm. about awareness itself. And though there was a lot of mantra practice. He, and he was a devotee of, of uh, Shiva, mm. you know, wh- whom he didn't really... He, he was very much a non-dualist, 
So he didn't teach, you know, worship or practice with form, deity forms. Uh, several years, I guess it would be about 15 years ago now, I was, I was at the ashram of this community, which in India, it was during a goddess celebration. And my teacher's successor, who is a woman, put on a full-on, you know, it's a nine-day celebration. She put on a full-on celebration with songs and stories. And I was telling stories. Uh, so I, I was telling a story about the goddess. It's the story I tell in the beginning of the book about mm -hmm. Shiva and Sati. And all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with tears. Not mm -hmm. sad tears, but the kind of tears that come up when you're very moved. And I realized that this was in some way, as you know, as we say in Sanskrit, it was a it was a kind of a visionary experience mm -hmm. of the presence of this of these energies. And so that's when I got interested in goddesses. And I, I have to say, I, I say this in the book, that my initial experience of goddess and and it and this is, I believe, you know, really the essence of of the way the goddesses can be understood is was in the experience of the natural world. You know, in other words, that the, the energy that I began to experience in trees, in in landscape, uh, in seasons, once I had had this, I would call it an initiation into, you know, feminine presence in the, you know, natural feminine presence in the universe. Uh, and I, I really began to see that when you look at the natural world as goddess, as mother, mm -hmm. you know, that it, that the, the, that, sh that she, it, that, you know, actually responds by connecting you to the energy in the earth and to the energy in your own body in a, in a very powerful and palpable way. So goddess practice is very connected to shamanic practice. For example, in that it, it's 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 an often very earth based. For me, it was part of my relationship to the natural world, and then over time, because I you know I I was teaching in that community and went on to teach publicly, I became very interested in the mythic stories. And because my tradition was Indian, the goddesses that I tuned into were the Hindu goddesses, the yoga goddesses, and it at one point I just I realized that these deity figures can be understood in a number of ways that is really helpful for us in our practice in our lives. One is as presences in the natural world, which we can talk more about if you want. Mm -hmm. Another is as inner energy. So specifically as the energy that, that unfolds when we have a Kundalini awakening, a spiritual awakening, uh, you know, in, in the tradition, Kundalini is understood to be a life energy that powers our, our entire physical life, but which has an inner part, you know, a secret or like a mm. hidden aspect, when awakened, will take you through a quite a rapid series of spiritual awakenings and transformations. I, I was going to ask you about that. Um, that is, is Shakti energy and Kundalini, are they one and the same? Because you hear a lot about the awakening Kundalini in yoga and spiritual circles. Um, and it's often depicted as serpentine and feminine and of the earth. Is it is it two ways of describing the same thing or is it not quite the same aspect of the feminine? 
Uh, it, there are different aspects of okay. the feminine. Let's just call it the sacred feminine or the cosmic yes. energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Shakti literally means energy or power. And in the tradition that I have trained in, and this is this appears in many Indian traditions and even in some Tibetan Buddhist traditions, it's an aspect of the tantric approach mm-hmm. to spirituality, that the understanding is that the source, you know, the consciousness, the the sacred you know, suchness that is the source of everything has a, has a still aspect, you know, an aspect that's eternal and unchanging mm-hmm. and, and an aspect that is utterly dynamic and constantly creating. And the way the tradition describes them is as the stillness is the masculine, the creativity is the feminine. And, you know, I think that some of that is based on biology, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, because, women carry, create, so to speak, from the womb that, you know, that children grow in the womb of, the, of a woman. Yep. Um, that, in that, it, that became a kind of metaphor for the way in which the universe arises within what in the tradition we'll often call the cosmic womb. You know, so, and, uh, and it's a very different way of looking at masculine and feminine. It's, of course, at a level that has nothing to do with gender. Right. Obviously, there's no gender there. But to to look at to look at power as actually feminine, you know, to look at energy as feminine, mm-hmm. uh, and to look at masculine as the containing, let's call it structure that holds everything in place. Yeah, uh, it's it, it really shifts your understanding. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I know. I do men's work. I do, you know, I'm of the men's movement. So we work with the archetypes of the mature masculine. That's how we've, you know, sort of worked with our inner development. Um, In many men, they carry both an awe and a fear of the feminine, both in the women in our lives and within ourselves. Um, And I think if men knew that they could access the feminine without losing their masculinity, because the men that I know love being men, we want right. to be, we want to honor, you know, I, I, when, when you were saying the nature, I mean, that's, that's as close that I know that men, the men that I know them honoring the feminine is almost every man I know is a nature lover. Like they just yeah. so appreciate nature. But if you handed him the goddess book and had him work with goddesses, he might be like, well, I don't, you know, that might be a betrayal of my my church beliefs, or maybe that, it, that, you know, what is that going to do? There's this kind of trepidation of like, you know, what, what, what does that entail exactly? Um, and in the, in the archetypes of the mature masculine, so we work with um, uh, king, lover, magician, and warrior. And the one that gets the closest to the feminine is the lover. Um, that starts to get into heart energy and these, this kind of deep appreciation, but it's still, not quite what you're talking about. And so I was just kind of curious as a man who's open-minded, who loves your writing and what you're writing about the goddesses, how do, how do men start to maybe include this in their spiritual practice in a way that would feel right or feel integrative rather than a betrayal of, you know, the work they've done, or, you know, I, I feel like the cosmos constructed this way where it's an invitation, not a, you know, elimination of what they have brought with them so far. Yeah, I completely get it. Mm-hmm. I completely get it. And, and you know, the, the issue of taking the forms from a religion that's not yours, mm-hmm. you know, is, I would say it's an issue for, for everyone. 
it doesn't really matter what your religion is. You have a language that's you've you know that has has been the form in which you approached the sacred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that's something that everybody kind of has to figure out how to do the translation. You know, I would say that there are different ways in which the men I know, you know, worship the divine feminine. You know, to just be right mm-hmm. out front about it. Mm-hmm. One is that you know. Very, very many men, uh, like many women, of course, have ambivalent relationships. We have ambivalent relationships with our own mothers. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of healing often has to be done. And I know this is true of me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to approach the sacred as feminine without the baggage of your yeah. relationship with your mother. But one of the things I've discovered is that in connecting to the feminine, in connecting to certain goddess forms, not so much bowing down to the iconography as learning to discern a sense of motherly presence, mm. but, you know, in, in, my, in my meditation practice in the world and to, to identify that feeling as the feeling of mother, as the feeling of the feminine. Mm-hmm. You know, I have friends, male friends, when they began to experience the awakening of the inner energy, of kundalini energy, they literally, and I can say this about several guys I know, mm-hmm. they experienced it as a kind of an inner girlfriend who, you know, once you start to feel that energy and once you start to relate to it, and that's important, once you start to tune inside and, and kind of be, be happy that this energy is moving in you and be curious about it, you actually realize that you're in a relationship with your own energy and that it's, it can be flirtatious, it can be um, pushy. You know, there are times yeah. when uh, it, can be, it can feel overwhelming. It is just like a relationship. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, I come from, my, on my dad's side, um, there's some uh, Native American blood, uh, Chip, Chippewa Indian, and I've always kind of felt like I was the black sheep in that I was kind of more connected to that than maybe some of the other people in the family. Uh-huh. So, so for me, all the goddess stuff feels like a long lost friend almost like where I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, the earth and the feminine, you know, where, you know, it's like bringing it back into my awareness from who knows how long ago, but it feels very comfortable, familiar, um, exciting, all of these different things. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you about you, there's a, in your book, you, there's a lot of different aspects of the goddess that you unpack or, um, many feminine deities. How do you go about picking the ones that you're going to work with? Like, do, is it, there's qualities that you want to see bring forth in your life or that you want to experience internally, or is it just, you know, you feel drawn to working with one and, and does that change over time? Do you work with Kali for a while, but then it's Durga or how, how do you go about picking which energies you would like to bring forth? Um, really good question. Um, mostly, well, there's two ways. One is understanding the goddesses, you know, for instance, again, in, in Hindu practice, and this is, this is somewhat similar to other religious traditions, you know, that in, in Catholicism, you petition particular saints for particular issues. Mm-hmm. So there is a way to work with deities at, you know, through petitionary prayer. 
through basically asking for help as from a more powerful friend is how I think of them. And so if you're going to invoke deity, you look at perhaps the qualities in yourself that you'd like to unfold. For instance, in a time like this, we might consider a time that's sort of in which the dance of of the goddess Kali is, you know, pretty evident as things get more and more intense and more and more revolutionary and difficult. So you might, you know, people might want to actually invoke Kali and get to know a little bit what this, what the energy of the revolutionary feminine mm-hmm. is, you know, how, how there's destruction that precedes uh, the creation of new frameworks and new paradigms. Yeah. Would it be accurate to say that Kali is what's being activated now as we look at, whoa, what's happening? There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, systems are being overturned, it looks like. Is that is that through this lens of goddesses, would Kali be an accurate one that's kind of having, yeah. the, having the day right now? Yeah, I would say so. With the earth changes, you know, with, yeah. with fires and floods and hurricanes and all of this that's going yeah. on, it's a very Kali-esque time. So the thing is, all deities in this tradition have, you know, at their core, they're about love. I'm glad you mentioned that. I ha- I have a spiritual teacher, um, Patrick Connor, who has spent a lot of time in India, and he, you know, I I never really knew much about mantras and you know, he has introduced his community to it. And, and he says like the the power and the magic in these mantras, he's like, it's ridiculous. If people knew yeah. what this does on, you know, on the positive side to your whole, de- everything, how you're made up, what you think, how you create your reality, reality. If people really knew about mantras, everybody would be doing them <laughs> because it's, it's, he's like, it's a no brainer. It's like, they, it's a no brainer. They yeah. work on you. You don't even have to, you just have to participate and it does the work. Like he's like, it's stupid how simple and like powerful it is. And, but people, you know, they don't know what it is or they think people are just, um, you know, singing songs or, or whatever in this, in this foreign language, he says it goes way beyond that. And just, he, and he just encourages us just do your own research um, see for yourself if what I'm saying is true, you know, and, and so it's an open invitation to work with these sacred mantras and, um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think your teacher is totally right that mantras are perhaps the greatest transformative energy source that anybody can use. That's great. You know, it's interesting to me, I've been talking about this for five to 10 years, maybe more so in the last five years, just that you know, in the spiritual community, there's been a lot of talk of ascension, you know, awakening uh, higher chakras, um, awakening our collective reality to our unity, all these different things. And as I was watching all of the upheaval of the last few years, I was kind of observing that, you know, a lot of the old structures have been these lower masculine patriarchal, um, you know, uh, not based necessarily on higher ideals. And that it seemed to me that without 
the feminine, without the sacred feminine, without the goddess, without without the divine feminine, the, there would be sort of a reckoning or a, a rebalancing where things could get really scary while the feminine sort of took her rightful place. And I and I still think yeah. that's I still think that's what's happening. I think that yeah, I do too. You know, that that things could crumble and look really scary, but what's emerging is new energy um, and a more balanced energy because we've had a lot of uh, you know, we've had a lot of lower masculine energy. We've had a lot of war. We've had a lot of these things, um, you know, trying to have power over others. Um, these different kind of lower uh, competitive kind of um, energies. And it just seems like we're running on fumes as is, you know, you're seeing the state of the world. It seems like something is definitely dying and being reborn in front of our very eyes. And so, um you know what a time to live in, and also I, I understand uh-huh. why people are what, why people are scared. But um, to me, it's a time, it's a crossroad time, and a time to be very optimistic about what's happening. Yeah, I agree, and I also, I know, I think that part of the conversation. I'm sure you've been talking about this mm-hmm. also is that you know that the old feminine and the old masculine, uh, the, or the way both genders live under patriarchy. Is very fucked up. So it is totally. It's like, it's like the in the conflict, and you know, I've been kind of, I guess you could say more or less on the front lines of this for the last mm-hmm. forty years. It, you know, it's it's we both have to shift. Yep. You know, w- women in in empowerment go through this phase. You know, you come out of denial, you go into anger, yeah. and and after anger is played out, then there's some hope of re- reconciliatory dialogue. And the same is true of men, you know, we're in, mm-hmm. so, so it's like we, you know, we're, we're all being asked to transform yeah. and, you know, and to, to actually find our inner, our inner feminine and our inner masculine, which I know I, one of the things I argue in the book is that women are just as cut off from our own feminine power mm-hmm. as, as men are. So, so in a certain way, men, Men need to stop outsourcing emotions and relational love to women to the degree that they do, and yep. women need to stop outsourcing power to men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and this is messy. It um, is well, and, and I and I look I look at you know the women that have risen in the power structures, and they've done it by playing as hard a ball as men do, and it's like, well, that's not the new paradigm. I, I want to see. Um, women that are empowered in their femininity with their vision and their connection to the earth and their connection to the heart. That's what I want to see, not uh, a, a, you know, a version of a man in a female form, which is, you know, basically out arguing and, and out positioning everyone. Um, that's not a flowering of the divine feminine from what I can see. Um, it's so, true, but it is, it is a way that, that women test their own, capacities uh, yeah you know, yeah i mean i mean we don't have another model of power especially not for politicians no politics is always the tail right it's oh, always the la- it's always the last thing that's just gonna change like it's sure consciousness leads and then it works its way into these nimble businesses that want to express all of these spiritual ideals and the new paradigm and people and it works its way through but politics always seems to be the last to say okay yes we acknowledge that there's been a shift you know um, yeah so yeah. anyway, but yeah. Sally, Sally, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. You're just a My delight pleasure. to talk to and your book Always. is awesome. Oh, and I wanted to ask you if there's any 
creative projects or workshops or online workshops nowadays is probably really popular, but um, what would you like our listeners to know about before we say goodbye? Well, I'm actually teaching a course that starts on April 7th. It's a six-week course online, actually a telecourse, on the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, which is, which is specifically geared for helping us find a strong yogic practice that will help us right now as well as for the rest of our lives. This is the great yoga practice, um, meditation practice manual, actually. It's, a, it's a, not so much about yoga as we usually think of it as, as um, inner meditative practices. Uh, so that's, you can find that on my website, Sally, sallykempton.com. And I also have a lot of, uh, of courses that you can download, several mm-hmm. on the goddesses, a couple on kundalini, um, some on this, you know, kind of tantric worldview. So there's a lot of stuff there as well as meditations. Well, I'm going to go grab some courses because I got a lot of free time right now. So <laughs> yeah, good time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for the work that you've done, expanding our spirituality and what we uh, know ourselves to be. Um, your great writing and all your teaching. You're just you're such a positive force in the world. And so thank you for everything you've done for humanity. So appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Tony, and, and uh, how great that, that you're doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. And I'll, I will follow you and see what, as a woman, I can, how I can tune into this, this work that you're doing in your men's group. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sally. I hope you enjoyed our time today with Sally Campton. I was really struck with how she said, right now during COVID-19, we can actually use this time like a meditation retreat. It's very interesting. Slow down, breathe, stretch, do mantras if that's your thing, and remember spirit and what is essential. This is excellent spiritual counsel for us right now. And go get a copy of Sally's excellent book, Awakening Shakti, The Transformative Power of the Goddesses of Yoga. Whether you're a man or a woman, this book is chock full of wisdom and inspiration. That's our show for today. Men, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men. 